Week 14 Sunday is in the books. Welcome to Pro Football Ireland. Michael McQuaid, Mark Hogan, Michaela Fagan. Delighted to be joined for our Instant Reaction podcast going out in the Monday morning after we have watched what has only been described, folks, as a great NFL Sunday. Really, really enjoyable NFL Sunday. First off, Mark, how's the form? Hi. There's never a dull moment in this league, is there? No, it was an excellent weekend, wasn't it? Like, I suppose the way we were getting, like, massive comebacks or, or upsets, like, one way or another, kind of had a bit of everything. And I suppose it helps when it was the likable teams, the underdogs, you know, getting the wins. It kind of made a lot of fun. Michaela, you went 11-2 and two in your picks last week. I'll not ask how you went this week, but uh, definitely a fun Sunday. And uh, as I said to Mark, there is never a dull moment, but we're coming to that point in the season now where every score, every point is vital and it just builds that journey towards the end of the season, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm I'm very happy for the Lions getting such a big win over the Vikings. There was a good few surprises today. The Texans... Um, making the Cowboys sweat to the end. Mahomes throwing three interceptions in the one game. It was it was a great Sunday, to be honest. It was a bit exciting, something a bit different. Um, I can't wait to get into it. It's a really, really interesting Sunday because I, you know, I picked the Niners to win against the against the Bucks and Tom Brady, but you know, it clearly did not cut, did not come. And the Niners, Mark, had an incredible performance with a number of standout elements to the game. You know, first off, you look at Christian McCaffrey getting over 120 yards rushing again in the game and becoming that X factor for the Niners. You look at the influence and the improved performance that Brandon Ayuk has. Clearly, and myself and Michaela had this issue last week whenever we seen Jimmy Garoppolo go down. So at the time of recording, we're not sure what's going on with Debo. We're hoping he's okay, but look, it did not look good. Never mind the fact he was carted off. But Brock Purdy looks like he could be the man in San Francisco. First off, do you agree with me, Mark? Am I going crazy? This is, this is a really weird but exciting time for Niners fans because they, they could have their guy here. Mr. Irrelevant could be the guy that leads them deep deep into the playoffs. And if you look at the record now, going 9-4 and four in the season, you wouldn't bet against them being there at, at, at the end of January. No, 100%. My Super Bowl pick from the NFC side this year was the 49ers. I know we talked about it on a preview show the other day and they've surprised Michaela, but I am absolutely 100% in on the 49ers. And like, is Brock Purdy the guy? Well, like that whole build up to this game was that Kyle Shannon has a system there that it's a plug and play for the quarterback. Why it didn't work out for Trey Lance had us all worried, but it does seem to be a Trey Lance problem because like the line in this game was something like three and a half points. And I was like, how, how good gracious are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers supposed to keep pace with the 49ers or irregardless of who their quarterback was, because I love the Brock Purdy story and I'm glad that it's up the top because he was phenomenal. Like the, the passes that he was making, but the way that the offense is clicking right now, a lot of credit has to be given to Kyle Shanahan because, like, and I, I, do you know what? I actually stopped updating my stats through um through the game because I was just kind of enjoying it, right? And it was like coming into the for or fourteen minutes left in the quarter in the third quarter. Christian McCaffrey has 154 all-purpose yards and a couple of touchdowns to his name already. And I kind of noticed the play that was like you have Uzcheck and Kittle making a couple of blocks. And you have IU running down the field. And it's like, everything's working for them right now. Debo Samuel is on the sideline. And it's like, they won't miss a beat because everyone is playing to their full potential. Their quarterback has gone down and you wouldn't even notice it. Everyone else is kind of like, if that happened to any other team, you'd be an absolute mess. But when the offense is as kind of predictable from Kyle Shannon's point of view, that it does exactly what he wants. And the defense is far and away the best in the league. It's like, absolutely, they're going to be there in January. Michaela, it's funny because as Mark talks about the Niners' non-struggles, you look at Brady and you look at some of the decision-makings that he made in that game. He had, at the time recording, two interceptions and one of them was so, so poor where he had at least four to five seconds of decision-making time there and he just fought to throw it straight down the field. Not just Brady's struggles, but Lenny Fournette and Brady don't get it together again. Mike Evans only connects for around 50 yards. You have to wonder, this is a 6-7 and seven football team, which has a significant chance of getting to the playoffs. You look at the NFC, you look at the Eagles, you look at this Niners team. I mean, surely, this, the, surely, Michaela, this Bucks team now, after what we've seen, especially tonight and on Sunday night and over the last few weeks, surely they cannot make a run now at the playoffs because I frankly was, I was not impressed to say the least with Brady. 
you know, he only had like what thirty four, fifty four on on his attempts. It was really, really poor from a guy that has had so much experience, an incredible career, and it looks now as if he cannot get this offense to gel, which is impacting significantly because down the years he is at so many different teams, so many different players that he can always reach out to. Now it looks as if he's really struggling, and it's clear to see now, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't get it. I really thought Brady let me on big time tonight. I, I really thought he was going to go out and show the 49ers why they shouldn't have passed on him initially when he was drafted all those years ago, why they shouldn't have passed on him in free agency. And from the go out and from the beat outplayed by the guy taken in the with the last pick of the draft and be throwing two interceptions. And I, I don't understand what's going on because they, they still have the the most of the guys that they had from that Super Bowl winning team and the team last year they have Evans they have uh, Godwin now I know Godwin had an injury they they brought in Julio Jones for him and the only guy he doesn't have is Gronk so I I just don't get what's up with Brady um I don't think I don't think like I said the last time that it's entirely on Brady the struggles. But it's just that that team isn't gelling at the moment. The chemistry that they had in that amazing Super Bowl year seems to be gone. I don't know if it's if it's a mix of just Brady's personal problems. Maybe he's just he's just not playing well because of that, or maybe it could be other issues within the team. But um, I can see them going on a crazy playoff run now. They're just they're just not the same team they were. And I, I think Brady's gonna. I don't think Brady's gonna retire next year, but he won't be with the books. But the other part of it is, like, it's it's not even all on Brady. This defense came into the it's, game. Yeah, it's a team fifth, effort, Mark, isn't it? Yeah, they they came into the game uh, giving up the fifth fewest points in the league, and by halftime there's 28 points after being put up right by Rock Party. Like the storyline has always seems to be around Tom Brady. It seems to be around Mike Evans, but it's like it's like they've been relying on the defense to get them to the top of that division and to be the division favorites. But it's like the defense didn't show up either. Like the San Francisco 49ers, their strength is defense, which means that the offense and defending against the offense was where you had to beat the 49ers last night. And like at the end of the day, the defense didn't show up either. So like, uh, you know, the storyline coming out of it is going to be Tom Brady, but like the defense is where it's supposed to hang its hat. And that didn't, that, that didn't happen. It's funny because we've seen myself and Mark seen the Bucks in person a few weeks ago in Munich and for such success on that day and look they weren't incredible against the Seahawks but they got the job done. The offense clicked for one of the only times this season in the sense of they were enjoyable to watch and it makes you think what level did they need to get to in the last few weeks to actually mount a challenge outside of their division and I I don't think they can find it and if, folks if you are listening to this podcast or if you are watching this on YouTube hey how's it going thanks so much for your support on YouTube especially uh, please do drop a comment send us an email info at profootball.ie or DM us at NFL Ireland on all social platforms with your opinions with your thoughts and we'll, we'll, we will definitely read them out in the next podcast and I feel like through it I feel like it is something I I, I kind of want to talk Atlanta Falcons and all of them. I think it's something that we might touch on during the week because on. yeah, I think the NFC South. It's like I I don't know where it's 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 frustrating coming off the back of watching that Tampa Bay team. I think they're going to take up a spot in the playoffs, but it just maybe we need to dissect like who can come and take it from them because maybe it's the Carolina Panthers. I don't know, Michaela. I think. I, I can totally get where Mark is there, but I, I, I think if we get through the next three or four weeks, I, I think I think the Bucks are going to be up there at the top of the NFC South, potentially, ironically, with a losing record. I mean, at the end of the day, if they went somehow and won it all, no one's going to remember in 20 <laughs> years time that they had a losing record. They're, they're going to remember that Brady had that record to win it again and get his, what, seventh ring. So I just can't see anybody taking over the Bucks at this point, personally. No, definitely not. The Bucks are very, very lucky that they're in such a bad um division. No one's even near them. That's how that's just showing you how bad that division is. The Bucks are playing awfully. They've no team chemistry. They've no positivity about them. They just all seem to be arguing with each other, and they're still top of that division. Uh, they're like I said, they're just lucky that there's no other good teams that can go near them in in that in that division in that group. 
let's jump on the next topic. I'm talking about the Cowboys Texans game. The Texans at the start of the day were 110 and 1. I actually had to double check my screen to see that was their record at one point. And you almost forget that the struggles that Lovey Smith and Davis Mills have had this season. By God, you wouldn't have fought it for most of this game, Mark. They took the Cowboys to the yeah. mark at one point and frankly they should have won that game towards the end Dak Prescott had two interceptions on the day Davis Mills was efficient for who he is as a player uh, it just it honestly as a neutral it was an enjoyable game to watch Pierce got the running in going for the Texans and um, it was weird because Ezekiel Elliott had a really really good start to the game and then Paul Ark comes in for the first score and it's like well you got to choose between either of these boys you can't just keep mixing and matching it does not work for an efficient offense like that in my opinion, I know people think, well, mix and match and allow different players to sit and get as much yard as you can. It wasn't working for the Cowboys today. And by God, they got over the line mark and they got a victory, which allows them to, I guess, open up a lead in the NFC. So we are going to talk about the New York teams after this, but what an important win for a Cowboys team. And people that are critical of the Cowboys will, will say, well, they shouldn't have won that game. People that are behind the Cowboys will say it's a sign of a good team getting over the line in situations in which they can struggle. And Doc Press can prove that on Sunday. Yeah, like where to jump in with it because I don't want to just you know rehash and go through different stats, but you're right to bring up it's funny that you said the Ezekiel Elliott started off well because I actually thought that Tony Pollard started off well and I thought that they should have rode him more. And then all of a sudden, I not all of a sudden, I went back uh, and looked for this at the stats. I was like, oh, actually, do you know what? He had a good few um, carries for loss uh, to start Tony Pollard, and then he did have that whatever 10 11 yard run that went in for the touchdown and I like I, I, I do think that Tony Pollard is the back that I prefer to be in there now come the end of the game it was Ezekiel Elliott who got the final touchdown but something I will say you, you touched on whether people kind of support Dallas or not look I am not a fan of Dallas I definitely enjoy watching them play at the moment when they can be as explosive as they are but like it was it was an entertaining game at the end of it like you know, you you didn't want another blowout. Like I, I hate to feed into that cliche that good teams find a way to win, but as bad as they were for the whole day, and I'll come back, I'll circle back to Dak Prescott in a minute. Yeah, that final drive was really, really impressive. They didn't go away, and we gave credit to the Minnesota Vikings for doing that recently. So why can't we give it to Dallas? when what 98 yards they had to go, and something I did notice and really wanted to talk about this was. Who do they go to? A few weeks back, it was C.D. Lamb, and I thought, okay, like C.D. Lamb is the guy that they have to have to, you know, have the ball in his hands. That wasn't the case in that final drive. It was Dalton Schultz a couple of times in a row. Then they had um, Noah Brown with an absolutely excellent catch, like an excellent catch, and I think it might have been on third down too. Then when they went back to Schultz and they finished off the drive with Ezekiel Elliott. So I kind of thought it was interesting because C.D. Lamb was supposed to be that guy, and you know, we did ask what was going to happen coming into the season with the Mary Cooper out. It's not how kind of it's, it's it's probably actually not the best way to be going about it that they don't have your AJ Browns that their rivals the Philadelphia Eagles will have but I did think it was very positive that they did spread the ball around look um, not everyone played great Michael Gallup had six targets he only brought in two of them you it's know, a sign, not... no Mark, and like not to jump in but it, it is a sign like back in the day the Cowboys would have thrown that game to hell and it would have been gone, but now yeah. they've found a way to get a win. And that's the difference for me. And I, I do agree, it was the start of Tony. But Zeke, Zeke had some touches in that first in, in that first series. And it's just, I, I don't get it yet. Yeah, Tony is RB1, but like it is a sign of that Cowboys team. They are making strides. And on any given Sunday in the playoffs, like they're, they, they are playoff yeah. now. It's, it's happening. The most intriguing thing is going to be, are they going to go one and done? Or are they actually going to make a run for once? And that's, that's what really excites me as a fan. Yeah, like I, I, I don't want, or I wouldn't want to come up against the Dallas Cowboys, but like, look, Dak Prescott had his awful game, and you know, anything that Dak Prescott does, it's either very good or very bad because the media, Dallas is so big that we're really going to talk about it. That Dak Prescott's game yesterday was abysmal. Uh, his number that I've been in front of me 24 for 39, 284 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions. But what's major about the interceptions is that second interception was from their own three yard line. And they're trailing by three points with under six minutes to go. It was a terrible time to do it. And look, it's kind of one of those that, look, he got it out of his system. We saw what happened with Josh Allen the last few weeks that he was throwing the interceptions. And, you know, he was made aware of them. And I think we might be talking Buffalo later on, but he 
protected the ball better. Not that Dak Prescott has been erratic or anything, but I think, look, they got over the line at the end of the day. Dak Prescott is going to hear about it. I don't know where his awareness kind of went, that he wasn't able to pick up blitzes or, you know, kind of see the field. It was worrying what was happening with Dak Prescott, but I... I, I don't think it's been happening all seasons. Like, you know, there's been, oh, is Kirk Cousins good enough? Oh, is Zach Wilson has been absolutely useless. These are playoff themes that we're talking about. Dak Prescott hasn't been an issue all year, so I think I'll let him away with it. Yeah, I, I do agree. It wasn't one of his best games at all, man, to be fair. Uh, Michaela, um, a real standout game for Chris Moore, over 100 yards receiving on the day. Texans couldn't get their second win of the season, but it's interesting because I, I, know, I know you're very, very high up on the Eagles, but if you look at that Cowboys team, they are well advanced in regards to where they were before in the sense of they're not blowing situations, as, as I've said to Mark there. And if Dak can find a way to actually progress in games and not struggle in certain situations, they have a hell of a like, they have a hell of an element there in terms of Dalton Schultz, their running game, the wide receiver core that they can go into with their defense as well, who are missing certain players today. Like they have a real, real good chance going into the playoffs in January, regardless of how many wins or what that offense in Philadelphia is like. I will say, I think the Cowboys are one of the most, I think they have a really good amount of players. They have like, they have CD on offense, they have Pollard, they have uh, Elliot. Then on defense, they have Micah Parsons and Diggs. So I think they're one of the teams that have a lot of good players in different positions. But what I will say, I'm going to say, I don't, rate Dak Prescott that high as a quarterback I think the, throwing the two interceptions today just reminds me like I I think he's I think I saw a, t- a tweet today that was like where would you place him like in like a top is he a top 10 is he a top five and that just reminded me and seeing the interceptions today that he's kind of like Lamar Jackson in the sense of no I think Lamar is a hundred times better than him but he reminds me of Lamar and Aaron Rodgers in a way that he can only get the Cowboys so far in the playoffs. Um, what did they get to the wild card last year? And then in 2021, they got to the wild card. In 2018, they made it to the divisional round. He's given me the same kind of reminder and vibes of Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers where, yeah, he could play well for for some games. Now, I don't think he's as good as Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson, but... And he's probably like a top, maybe, I don't think I'd put him in the top 10. Well, maybe. So you think he's got like a top... ceiling, basically? Yeah. Like he's got like a ceiling. And like, could you see him like maybe pushing through that ceiling this year? Because he's had games where he's been injured and he's actually had a few weeks to take off. Or do you feel that he won't take the Cowboys down the stretch next month? I think he, I, I think he's like reached a ceiling, to be honest. I don't see him getting any better. He's obviously had the two big injuries. That would make me worry to see if he's a little bit injury prone. Will he get injured maybe next season as well? But uh, yeah, he's just, he, I don't think he can bring them anywhere past the wild card or the, the divisional round. Like he, I don't think they're a threat for the Eagles. I really hope I don't eat my words now in a couple of weeks, but I don't think the Cowboys are, are a really, really big threat because I just think they're just going to choke. It's mad that, Mark, I can't believe I'm saying this, I actually think the opposite is going to happen here. I, I genuinely think the Cowboys <laughs> go deep for the crack. And if that happens, no. we're not getting into the Super Bowl at all because it'll be like the 1990s all over again. I love it, though, because we're going to trigger all the Jerry Jones people in the comments on YouTube today. So <laughs> I'm feeling a bit triggered today. as well. <laughs> huh? I'm, I'm feeling a bit triggered as well. <laughs> I want to, I know, because like I, I, I would have put the playoff on the uh, on the coaches last year, and I think it's them that stepped up this year. And Dak Prescott has been playing a bit better. I mean, he's what eighth in the MVP voting or MVP race odds at the moment. I think um, he's done as good as a job he can do, and that, that's just my opinion. I think we'll maybe again, it's something we're going to uh, yeah yeah put a bookmark he, he, in and get to a very impressive comeback mark from his injury. Yeah, I think yeah, I think he's so done too. well. And hopefully in January he'll be able to actually count down the clock and, and be able to and make I a think few it's players. going to be on the running the running game massively and how that balances out with Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott because as good as they were it's like uh, yeah it took until what forty seconds to go for Ezekiel Elliott to punch into the end zone like he did have his chances Ezekiel Elliott and took that late in the game to uh, for them to finally go ahead. 
one thing, one thing for sure is the Cowboys will always be a discussion point where it brings controversy and conversation, which is always good. Let's jump on these New York teams. Uh, well, both New York teams lost today or on Sunday, and it's interesting to talk about because <laughs> I have to, I have like, to start... don't say that. Don't say that huh? too loud. Both New York teams. She's the two, the uh, the Buffalo fans love to say how they're the only New York team. We're Let me rephrase that and, and, and apologize to. Let me apologize to people in Buffalo, New York, which apparently is now the, the main part of New York for the NFL. Both New Jersey teams lost on Sunday. <laughs> the thing that really impressed me, Mark, about the Jets was their sheer determination and defense. They held yeah. that Buffalo Bills team to 20 points at Highmark Stadium. Josh Allen was the leading rusher on the day, which says a lot again. And that is a real issue for me going into the playoffs in a whole different conversation. But that, that, Jets defense, they really brought it to them. Allen struggled for a lot of the game. Yes, they got over the line. And of course, you grit out your wins. You, like, the Bills are now at 10 wins. But the Jets are now sitting the 7 and 6. And Robert Sala now has a situation where a few weeks ago they beat the Bills at MetLife and the whole season was going in a different direction. And where do we even start in MetLife? Because for me, it seems with Wink Martindale and that Giants defense, that that like and the Giants have done very very well with what they have this year. Do not get me wrong, and Brian Dable's done an excellent job. But by God, a beatdown like that was coming, and there was a lot of media in New York for the Giants talking about this Eagles team and not giving this Eagles team as much credit as they deserve. I think they shut them up today. To be quite fair. Yeah, I'm gonna take the Giants first because we'll we'll circle back to what we're saying about the the Jets and Bills because I do think it's worth talking about. But look, coming into this game, what was I suppose it's becoming a bit of a trend now. The easiest thing to point out with the New York Giants is the the reliance on Saquon Barkley, and late in the week it comes up that he may or may not play. It went down to the 90 minute morning or whatever you want to call it for when you have to say you're an actives whether Saquon would play or not. As it turned out. He had what he was well, as it turned out he was he was um he was benched uh, because the the game got away with him but for whatever it was nine rushing uh, he had nine rush attempts twenty eight yards he had two targets for twenty yards and it's again this whole thing take Saquon out of the game and then the joints kind of fall into themselves so look I know it was a bit different there it was like he was benched late in the third quarter because the game had gotten so far away from them but yeah when he's injured and you can't just rely on him and go through him the whole time that is absolutely a worry and as yeah you're after saying wink martindale like they were getting a lot of credit especially after that game that we saw them in london that they were after they're they were greater than, some of the, greater than the sum of their parts or whatever it was that the the defense doesn't have big names but they were, you know, performing quite well. Now we have to also evaluate what's going on here. They just gave up 48, 49 points and take your pick. Like Jalen Hurts was able to get in for a touchdown. Miles Sanders had, what, 150 rush yards, two touchdowns. Devontae Smith's touchdown, it was the parting of the sea. There was two Giants defenders just went crisscross across from him instead of tackling the man. And then the Eagles could go to AJ Brown, who had a day as well. So, What's worrying, like, these are the teams that they're going to have to play in the playoffs. And it's like, if they're not able to perform against them now, why are we suddenly going to think that they're going to be able to play in a few weeks if they even get there now? Because I know you had said this, that they were always likely to lose these eight straight games. And I think it's so important to talk about it now because coming up, they have Washington, they have Philadelphia again, they have the Colts, and they have Minnesota. And they, right now, are sitting at 7-5-1. and one. There's a very good chance that, they only win one more game, and that's against the Colts. You cannot guarantee that Washington game. You cannot guarantee Minnesota. You cannot definitely um, expect a win against the Philadelphia Eagles, who it is going to be in week 18. But I was talking to a Giants fan who said, look, the Eagles and Giants are one of those rivalries that maybe the Eagles do play their players because they don't want the Giants getting into the playoffs because they're such a rival. Now, there's a lot to go into that. Maybe you want to face this Giants team, so you let them put a 50-burger up in week 18 so that they do go through. But what we see now in the last few weeks, what they're oh three and one the last four games. Like we've seen nothing out of uh, the Giants in the last few weeks to say that they're any kind of contender. And there's there's absolutely no guarantee. I think at one point they were eighty five percent certainty that they'd make the playoffs. I think it's gone below fifty percent now. It was Michaela. It's, it's been disappointing for Giants fans, and there's a lot of Giants fans in Ireland over the last few weeks to see their team go from winning seven games to struggling. I just take tonight's game to 
okay, yes, there are struggles on on the offense for the Giants, but this this Eagles team is is sensational, and a lot of people have been down in them, especially as I said in the in the New York market, especially for that mm. obvious rivalry, and that's fair enough. You know, I I understand that to an extent, but there comes a time in the season when there needs to be a realization and an expectation and a maturity around people to state oh, hold on a minute, this Eagles team might be for real. And if you weren't thinking that now, surely you're thinking that tonight after that game because they destroyed them. There is no mm. other way in putting it out there. They absolutely destroyed them. The Eagles' defense, for all that Daniel Jones has done in recent weeks, and he's played a lot better, he, did, he didn't throw any interceptions tonight, he was destroyed by this Eagles' defense at, at times in this game. There is no other way about it. That being said, on the other side of New York or New Jersey, Michaela, the Jets were really, really impressive to, to stop the Bills. Bills still get over the line, and it shows you at that point of the season what the Bills need to do. I still think the running game, as I said, the mark is a massive issue, but uh, just your thoughts on just on the New York teams, Michaela? I think that people shouldn't be so hard on the Giants because I don't think many people expected them to be here at this point, you know, being 7-5-1 and one and their their new head coach being in head coach of the year talks. I think Giants fans should they shouldn't expect for them to be going to Super Bowls or NFC championship games. I think like they're kind of they didn't go into full rebuild, but they, they did need to kind of have the stability of a head coach and they kind of needed to be, you know, consistently winning games and they needed Saquon back and they're starting to do that now. And maybe the only other question now left to answer is the thing, uh, the situation around the quarterback. But if I was a Giants fan, I would be, I'd be content with the progress they've made. And I know, it, I understand why some Giants fan would, Giants fans would be disappointed because obviously they started off so red hot and now it's just kind of like, ah, uh, they they're just they can't they're limping over the finish line now. And but I think that you have to remember they're playing the Eagles. Like the Eagles were always like gonna batter them probably. <laughs> like it's the Eagles. They're they're like I think after the Vikings loss against the Lions today, you know the Eagles are the 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 real deal in the NFL. And I think. The Giants are still probably the best team in New York City over the Jets. I think the Jets have always been kind of like the Browns in the sense of they're a they're a chaotic kind of franchise. There just always seems to be problems, or there's always something going wrong. And it, 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 the the problem, the issue now is that they benched their quarter their franchise quarterback that 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 they picked in the second in the with the second pick. Um in in the draft and it's just and they're playing Mike White and it's kind of like why I know you're trying to maybe he was hit yeah. massively today twice wasn't he he was hit a couple yeah, of times then in the struggle but to, to jump in on that like you know we're giving the 49ers a chance saying look once the quarterback like don't get me wrong Zach Wilson was awful but I don't hate Mike White being in there Garrett Wilson is playing a lot better than you uh, running back since um I'd rather have like I'd rather have Mike White than Daniel Jones that, that's it that, that is exactly it so when know. you say that the Giants over the Jets I take the Jets hands down like that defense under Rob Sala like it's why they gave him the head coaching job whenever it was two or three years ago because they wanted to bring that defense that was so successful in uh, San Francisco to New York and they're absolutely absolutely getting that like at the end of the day not too many teams are holding the Buffalo Bills to what 20 points and looking good doing it. and it's kind of what happened with Minnesota a few weeks ago as well the Jets started off slow but then they were able to come back into it so this game I mean if you just look at it from a defensive side look the offenses weren't able to get going but if you look at it defensively the first score was what with 30 seconds left in the first half each team was forced to punt five times the defense was fantastic and the easy thing to talk about is offense but when it comes to the playoffs I would not want to play either of these and now that Mike White is playing at a capable level like Zach Wilson was not a capable quarterback he was costing you games Mike White is not and if you're able to rely on defense they have a chance in the playoffs to at least cause an upset like I I, I like watching New York from that point of view and then when it, when it comes to Buffalo I think they were much smarter coming into this game against New York the last day against the Jets the last day obviously Josh Allen was a bit more trigger happy you could say they protected against that this week there wasn't the turnovers so I think like as far as the Jets go they'll be disappointed they, they lost but I thought from the defensive side there was a lot of positives for both teams 
I feel like we could talk all of us and argue and, and debate for mm. hours around these two teams. So I'll, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna bounce on to the next topic. But I, I am I have to say I'm really enjoying this. Can I get a word, one word answer and no no more than one word here? Yes or no? Is Jalen Hurts the MVP? After what I've seen today, I'm gonna say yes. I'm sorry, but yeah, Michaela, what do you think? Hundred percent. Yeah, it's no question. Marcus. Ta, yeah, yeah, we. I was Jalen Hurts a few weeks ago, so I'll uh, stick on my pick happily with it. Interesting. Okay, we are going to talk about Burrow towards the end of the show, but we're going to jump quickly on the Lions Vikings scheme that I had said publicly on a at NFL Ireland on Twitter. Check it out, folks. Video that I didn't believe in the hype with the Lions, and I thought that the Vikings would get the job done in Detroit on Sunday. And by God, how wrong I was! It shows you, Mark. You know, Jar Goff for all his stick has been given massive amounts of abuse verbally on social media, online, through analysts, whatever, over the last couple of years about, you know, he's a bust, he's not the right sort of quarterback to play in this league. Dan Campbell, to win, what, five out of the last seven games, but to also believe in his quarterback, a guy today that played really, really well, brought DJ Chark on and a running game into it. it like, okay, the running game wasn't fantastic, but more so on the, on the receiving game. This Lions team to put up 34 points and hold a 10-win Vikings team at home, albeit, is very, very impressive. Could they make a run in the last few weeks of the season? It's it's interesting. It's not off the card, surely. Yeah, I hope so. Right? Like, this is a team that would make you excited because they're such a wild card and they're going so under the radar. Part of me wonders, is it because no one has... Kind of like what happened with Dallas earlier on. You can say, oh, they're a a banana peel team because teams aren't really focusing on them. It's like Morocco in the World Cup. It's like they keep on winning and no one's paying attention to them until you have to pay attention to them. Will it be in the playoffs? Um, The Minnesota Vikings should have known better because they went in. The Lions went into this game as a favorite. And we talked last week whether it was any point talking about the Lions because we didn't know would they make this push. And I think that each of the three of us kind of said, no, at the end of the day, they're super frisky. And they proved it again today. Like, this game wasn't even close, really. You know, like, Detroit always looked in control. And when you want to add in Jameson Williams, was it a 41 or 51-yard catch that he had that was a touchdown? That they're adding that in. Yeah, that they're adding that into their arsenal. DJ Chark having more yards than Amon Ross, Sam Brown, the two of them, like, putting up a bunch of um, yardage together. Uh, the running game being as balanced as it is between different guys being involved. That there's a lot to be excited about. Like, look, the defense isn't there, but we've said this on our preview last week. We said it after they put up a ton of points against Philadelphia in week one. They have the staying power on offense that it makes up for giving up the points on defense. And I, I don't have their their schedule in front of me. I, I should have had that. My apologies. But I'm definitely, I, I love watching them. And it's they've taken the baton from, I had been enjoying watching the Atlanta Falcons because it was a bit dysfunctional, but it's not dysfunctional what's going on in Detroit. Like they deserve the wins. And as this wildcard race opens up, see Alks losing, obviously the Giants losing. They could be there. It's it's going to be difficult, but like they, they could be there thereabouts. I think, Michaela, if the Lions win two more games, they'll be ahead of the Giants in in the playoff contention, and, and let's see what happens. It's all if, buts, candy, nuts, etc. But you know, you look at the Vikings, and we've been very, very high up in both these teams talking about the Lions' offense. Talk, and I was talking about O'Connell's offense and the way that he's embedded himself into Minnesota over the last few days and weeks in this season. They're, they're going to win the NFC North, but this is, a, this is a big win for this Lions team who believe in their coach and the fans believe in the team as well. When was the last time you've seen Ford Field be that loud, that crazy? It's great to see as a neutral. Yeah, I'm really happy for the Detroit Lions and the win they got over the Vikings because I didn't expect them to. It's not because I discredit the Lions. I think the Lions are going to be red hot next year. But the fact that they actually beat the Vikings and, you know, kind of proved to everybody like, no, we can be red hot right now. I'm talking about their schedule. They have the Jets. They'll beat the Jets, I think. The Panthers, they'll beat the Panthers. The Bears, they'll beat the Bears. The Packers, the Packers are awful. They're going to beat them probably as well. So they could finish out the season with a winning record. Like, and who would have thought that from the beginning of the season? And I said it on, on our week preview, this week's preview. Jared Goff is their quarterback for the foreseeable future he had 330 yards today three touchdowns no interceptions like that's that's great numbers from a guy that they thought was just you know like a placeholder the like everyone was probably 
was like, oh, well, the LA Rams won the trade because they got Stafford and they got the Super Bowl. You think about it, Detroit Lions got, what, three, two or three picks for Stafford and they got Goff. And Goff's proved now that he can be their starting quarterback. So they can go out and they can spend those two picks. One of them is probably going to be a top five pick this year. He looks um, a lot more comfortable, McKeel, as well, doesn't he? He just looks a lot more within himself as a player over the last few weeks, I think, as well. Yeah, like, he, he looks so much more confident. He's just playing so well. Like, like fair play to him today like beating that Vikings team like and I, I, I he's a, I think Goff is an actual he's a likable guy I see him on the Detroit Lions social media I think they have a leader there and I have a likable guy and to be honest if I'm buying a Lions jersey probably soon it's gonna be his hell of a day for Ami Ra and for DJ Chark and we will come back <laughs> well, to that I'd say within the next couple of broadcasts no doubt the, the Lions like the and the Vikings we, are two exciting teams before moving off the Vikings I yeah, do yeah. want to say look it's their fifth straight game that they've given up 400 yards and that's why 400 yards um, of offense which obviously speaks to how kind of you know the, the, why the doubts are there they've been outgained going into the game it was on average by 63 yards which again shows like if they have all these wins stacked how is it that they're being outgained each week by opponents and it is like yeah it's a very helter skelter kind of way to win but justin jefferson had 223 receiving yards like that's insane it does show like how reliant on the, on um him they are but at the end of the day we're giving props to shark and to uh, the other receivers because they ended up winning but if the vikings had won this game we would be absolutely raving about justin jefferson no harm to the crack but i can't wait to see the top five mvp players because justin jefferson hasn't as a shout to be in there four third maybe higher i'm not going to be yeah sorry for not mentioning he, he had a hell of a game hell of a game and and talking about mvp characters i want to move on to our penultimate topic here and talk about joe burrow and talk about the Cincinnati Bengals and talk about, Mark, the the direction, the maturity and the evolution of this guy's play. From where he's came last year to leading this team to a Super Bowl appearance, Joe Burrow getting it done against the Browns is one thing on Sunday. But the way in which he plays, his confidence, his dynamic athleticism is one thing. If anybody is going to make a late push for MVP, it has to be him, surely. And I guess another thing on this game, yes, it was a Jamar Chase, welcome back Jamar, proper game. Deshaun Watson looks like he needs an off-season, another one, a holiday, and maybe maybe to be put in some sort of metaverse simulator. Yes, he got the ball down the field on numerous occasions on Sunday. He didn't look comfortable. And frankly, he looked completely out of it. And I think that's going to take a lot, it's going to take him a long, long time to get used to the game, personally. Yeah, look, it was always said anyone with a brain knew that Deshaun Watson was not going to be lighting their league on fire. He's been out for almost two years and it was kind of predictable. Uh, you know, you see him disappearing off the waiver wire in fantasy football and thinking, why, you know, what do people see in him? Of course he's going to come back rusty. So, to be perfectly honest, I kept an eye on this game, but it wasn't the game that I wanted to desperately watch. And I'll tell you, maybe part of that was Deshaun Watson, but I also, you know, I've been on this Bengals thing for the last couple of months now. Like, I was one of the people that never jumped off it. You know, I thought people didn't give them enough credit for, you know, they have this nucleus that was going to continue to do well. It's great now that Jamar Chase is back. I must pull up his numbers. He obviously had a ton of yards yesterday. I think it was over 100 yards. Yeah, 119 yards and a touchdown. So, yeah, now that they have that back in the arsenal, it's obviously fantastic. But I said, even without that, it was good to learn to win without him. Uh, with the likes of your Tyler Boys, your T Higgins, and I'm I, I'm all in the Bengals. We, I've I've talked to them and don't want to you know overdo it. I think we're going to have a few more weeks to talk about them when they do make it to the playoffs and go deep into January. But yeah, in terms of whether he can make a late push for the MVP, I I don't see it happen because Jalen Hurts has it out and out one. I guess. Interesting. I reckon a lot of Chiefs fans might go crazy at your comment there, but we will see the crack. And I think he might be able to. Let's see. We'll we'll discuss that over the few weeks. One thing I will say, Michaela, while we jump on this, just to get a quick thought from yourself before we look at the last game, um, the Bengals have got something that the Bills haven't, and that's a running game. <laughs> I mean, Joe Mixon can run the ball, and uh, they're a, they're a fun team to watch. And look, I'm excited to see the Bengals. In, in the postseason, for, for all the NFC has in terms of its of its Eagles, Cowboys, Niners situation, the AFC is stacked. And when you've got a team like the Bengals who are exciting to watch, it's going to be fun down the stretch. Yeah, I think this game was really, really important for Burrow because he's he hasn't beaten the Browns in his career in the NFL yet. And 
I, I know a lot of people weren't sold on Baker when he was at the Browns. Um, I, I just thought he had consistency problems, but I, I thought he was going to be their quarterback for the future. But, you know, Burrow, it's funny because Burrow can go ahead and he can beat the Chiefs every time he plays them and he can't beat the Browns. Um, so I always say every team has a bogey team or a dodgy team. The Browns was obviously Joe Burrow's. So it, it was important for him to beat the Browns today, even though it was just the Browns. And we know Deshaun Watson isn't playing well at the moment. He's just come back. Um, I, I don't. I'm, it's great that Burrow bet them because it kind of got him over that hump that everyone's like, oh, he's 0-4 he's against the Browns. He can never beat the Browns. And it was obviously important for them in their playoff push. But I don't think the game today did, did any anything good for Burroughs um, MVP chances I think he threw t- two touchdowns and one one pick you know if if he if he, people want to be really considering him for the MVP he's gonna have to be throwing two to three touchdowns no picks maybe over 200 250 over 300 yards a game that's what you want from MVP and I don't think Mahomes or Burrow did anything for their MVP um, chances today Mahomes threw three picks and nearly let the Broncos beat them. Like, if the Broncos had beaten the Chiefs, that would have just been the icing on the cake for this Sunday. But I know you can look at Jalen's stats and you'd be like, well, Jalen doesn't get 300 yards either. But you have to remember, Jalen rushes, runs the ball himself. And he, like, he got a rushing touchdown himself today. And he got um, Devontae Smith and AJ Brown touchdown. So he had three total touchdowns as well on top of his rushing and throwing yards. So it... Jalen Hurts ran away with it this week, the MVP, to be honest for me. Let's let's jump into that last game now as our last segment and let's let's come to that point because look, Mark, I am a big Broncos fan. Anybody that follows me on social media knows that. Um I would say until the last two or three weeks I would have had Patrick Mahomes as a standout leading MVP candidate. And there's many people that will be listening to this podcast and thank you folks for doing so. Um that would maybe still have him there. And that's that shows you the fallout this year in terms of not not not, not the fallout but the debate in who they feel that the MVP should be. It's very intriguing because yes, I, I completely agree with what Michaela said. He the, the man flew three picks on Sunday. Like I mean, that is for Patrick Mahomes, yes, there are times he makes mistakes. There were some incredible moments that that no luck pass or like that, that crazy pass. Um, I guess as a Broncos fan, Mark seeing Russell Wilson play so poorly in the first half was beyond alarming when he's been given so much money. Um, where was that Jerry Judy play for the last two or three years? Three touchdowns on the day. Where was that? But that again was looking at stats and looking at numbers, but then actually watching the game. That Broncos team were nowhere for 80% of the first half. And the Chiefs team got over the line and done what they had to do. Obviously, Mack had that big play for the Broncos, but when you've got McKinnon and you've got, I can't say the guy's name, Pacheo, the running back, it gives him an edge. I just don't see... I think I think the Bills are... like Again, we, we had this conversation separately, Mark, weeks ago, but whenever the Bills play the Chiefs, the Bills are the better team, regardless of the running game. They, they, they can offer more, I think. No, I'm on the Chiefs. Like It's kind of funny. What, they jumped out to a 27 nothing lead... And took a, <laughs> took a break, I guess. So, like, yeah, we're going to get on top of them because when we're deciding, you know, behind the scenes what games to talk about, you know, this wasn't on our radar. It's 27 to nothing. I could not believe. I was about to send out, out a tweet, except I often don't tweet, saying it shows how slow the late window was because on NFL Red Zone, they had to keep on coming back to a 21, 27 nothing game. That's a fair point. Yeah. That was it was over and out. I was like, why are they come back to it? And I was like, okay, at the end of the day, because there's some highlights in this game. Like Patrick Mahomes is throwing bombs or whatever, your Isaiah Pacheco's gone. And all of a sudden they start to creep back into it. And you're thinking, I suppose it's not on Patrick Mahomes that the defense is okay, yeah, there's the interception, the pick six or whatever. But it's not on him that the defense gave up just like the offense gave up so I, look at the end of the day i love the chiefs i think they've been excellent when you see about how he again they spread spread the ball around there was plenty of different receivers involved uh travis kelsey i think was the third leaving receiver and almost trying to bring up really fast oh the box score yeah yeah Jarek mckinnon with his 112 yard juju, juju had 74 yards like they are well able to spread the ball around and the reason i want to kind of name those names is like yeah jared mckinnon being your number one receiver on the day shows that they do have the different 
ways to attack that no one's able to figure them out because we're talking about how they themselves are figuring out their running game over the last couple of weeks versus today they were throwing the ball on that again that I still think that no one knows which poison to pick with the Chiefs whereas at least we're getting some clues to how to beat down the Bills because you know sometimes they're not as explosive whereas at the end of the day Patrick Mahomes and co still put up 34 points like I know that they almost gave away, but Denver's defense has been good. Like it's the offense, the problems are with Denver. So to be able to put up those 34 points in mile high, a game, funny enough, that I should have been at, and I thought it'd be up to no up to nothing so I was like, the have, game there, man. yeah and <laughs> I was thinking of that when it started to come back through red zone a bit more thinking I actually am missing a big time here it was a good game and yeah obviously you're thrilled for your Broncos that they showed some sign of life Um, I mean it means nothing obviously but at least at least it was there it means nothing F- thank you thank you very much I'm joking um, <laughs> yeah no like I think Mikhail and Mark makes a very valid point there at the end of the day yes we are seeing how certain teams can stop the Bills and we're seeing different situations there the Chiefs could take the gas off the paddle um, and to score 34 points and still have three interceptions is mm. pretty alarming for a Broncos defense that was very very high up in what was what has been a year of frustration for fans in Denver especially on the offensive side of the ball and um, it was an enjoyable game for a neutral and look the Chiefs get another win they get another win towards an AFC West title. I think they can wrap it up next week. And no doubt they'll wrap it up the week after against the Broncos. And in our head, no my luck. But uh, definitely the standout game of the late window. No, it wasn't. The standout game of the late window for me was the Niners destroying Tom Brady. But uh, definitely a game that was interesting, at least. Yeah, um, I was actually watching the Chiefs game. And the biggest takeaway from for me, it wasn't how bad the Broncos were or even that they kind of came into it nearly it towards the end. Um, I was always going to watch that game and thought they were going to get beaten. The Broncos were just finished for the season. They might get one mad, crazy, surprising win, but that'd be about it. But for me, the biggest takeaway is I'm looking at the Chiefs team and I think the commentators were saying that they have two rookie cornerbacks. And that just reminds me that the Chiefs don't have like a very extensive roster with a lot of star players at a good few positions um you, like you look at the the Bengals and the Bills I think they have more complete rosters than the Chiefs and I think that's going to matter at the end of the day it already does matter the Bengals have beaten them the Bengals always seem to beat them and you know I think if you look at if you took Patrick Mahomes out at Chiefs team they'd probably be they'd be nobody you you don't want to take a like obviously the quarterback is the most important player in the sport, but like it, how many games did they win if Patrick Mahomes got injured right now? You know what I mean? Like they have and their it will two happen, biggest... like like it will happen over his ten or fifteen year career. It, it's gonna, it will I'm happen. Not, I'm not saying it. There will be a year where he gets injured and he missed some games. I think Travis Kelsey will be on this podcast next week giving out to you about that. But I do agree with you because I'm just biased against the Chiefs. Yeah, like I, I might be a little bit biased against the Chiefs because I, I think they can be a cocky team after they won their Super Bowl and they don't like cocky teams. But you, you, you look at them, they don't have a complete roster for me. If you don't have a complete roster, it doesn't matter that you probably have the greatest, the, the, the greatest quarterback in the league at the moment. It doesn't matter if you don't have a complete roster, if you don't have stars on the defense, if you don't have stars other than himself and Kelsey on the on the offense. He doesn't even have a star wide receiver anymore because they traded Tyreek Hill. It's just, they're not complete enough for me to go to, to be going to the Super Bowl at this time. They, they, they need to add more depth and add more stars to their roster and they should be able to, to the Chiefs, they should be able to attract anyone with Mahomes. But the Bengals and the Bills, to me, they're better teams. They're better complete teams in the AFC because not only do they have the stars at the quarterback, they have Burrow and they have Allen. They also have stars at other positions. And then, like, I'd love to see the Chiefs and play the Eagles because, like, the Eagles, I still can't believe how, I'm probably being biased here, but the Eagles literally have nearly every position covered like especially at cornerback they have Bradbury and they have Slay like the Chiefs just aren't complete enough for me like it doesn't matter that they have Mahomes if they don't have a complete roster then they're not going to be winning Super Bowls I mean I I agree to an extent I would say I would say Mahomes Mark is a freak and he can literally make plays out of his you know 
It just yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what they can, what else they can do. Look, coming into the year, I say now that tweet that I'm now I'm going to hear about in a few weeks' time, saying they didn't think they're going to make the playoffs because they didn't have the same attacking power, and I thought the FC West was going to put it on. They didn't like come and get them. Like they, this was apparently the year that they were going to be there for the taking. That they don't have your star players, and like at the end of the day. If Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs are your stars on the Bills, well then Mahomes and Kelsey, you can say are the stars on offense. Like where what other where are the other stars on the Bills offense that aren't there on the Chiefs offense? Because Isaiah Pacheco could be a star. Like they're coming into the year, like everyone was um over him. Look, they had a first round wide receiver with Troy, Clyde Edwards Hilaire that hasn't worked out, but like he's he's on injured reserve now. But it's like, what else can you do? Just because they're not marketed as a stars in the way that Tyreek Hill was. Like Juju once upon a time he was a star. It, again, he's been kind of put back, uh, you know, in the in the in the rankings or whatever. I I just I don't know how we can kind of give out about them anymore because this is the down year and they're still going to be the first in the in the AFC. So, you know, like, and it's, and it's Andy Reid at the end of the day, like it's his offense. He continues to adapt that we said back when Sorensen was their starting safety. How can you have Sorensen playing in a Super Bowl yet there they were and they go off and win. Like, you know, we, we always seem to be able to, you know, point out their flaws, but they keep winning. So, you know, I give up, I can't keep on saying it, you know? Yeah, as as just when Mark was saying about the offense, obviously, um, the Bills have Allen and Diggs, and the Chiefs would obviously they're they're uh, would have Mahomes and Kels. But f- for me, it's it's not really the offense. I think the Bills have a have more on defense than the Chiefs would, and that's why I'd pick them over the Chiefs. They're just more complete on both sides of the ball for me. I I just want to see the Bills play the Chiefs again. Like that's mm-hmm. all I want to see in January. Like that's I, I'm happy enough. I and want, I, I, I want I love the Bengals the, uh, Chiefs though. We know that the Bengals have the Chiefs number. They're the only team that can say that. Well, yeah. This this is the thing. We've we've seen the Bengals beat the Chiefs and we've seen the Bills beat the Chiefs. And it's like, come January, none of that's going to matter because Mahomes will end up turning it on for no reason at all. And yet, all three of us are of the opinion that. Mahomes isn't the MVP. It's incredible. I, I've loved the debate uh, this evening, this morning, if you're watching this. We'll, we will leave it there now. So was Bill O'Hara, the once famous, or numerously famous, times said, because I, you know, like this needs to I, get out of it. Doesn't, and, and I, I will jump in with one update that I wanted to jump on. Go for because it, jump, we, jump. Um, the Debo Samuel looks like it's high ankle sprain four to six weeks. So I don't have he the could be back for NFC. He could be Division. back for the exactly, exactly. I mean, it's a shame for Diva Samuel, but they were well able to compete there this evening. It seemed. Well, isn't it amazing, Michaela, that we finally get an update in the Niners' injury status this week instead of last week, where we were just <laughs> saying nothing about Jimmy Garoppolo, and then it happened. No, here, look, um, yeah. great to chat to you both. I and look for people on the podcast, for people watching this right now. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. It really, really means a lot. We massively appreciate it. We'll, we'll be back during the week with. Uh, preview week 15 maybe a few extras as well for a bit of crack recapping on uh, Monday Night Football which is the Giants not the Giants the Cardinals against the Patriots on Monday Night Football we'll be back on Tuesday then but thank you all, you, know, all, all of you so much for listening if you are listening please do consider giving us a rating on Apple Podcasts or giving us a star rating or a follow on Spotify um, it helps put the bread on the table literally so thanks a million neither that though it's been good crack Michael McQueen Michaela Fagan Mark Hogan I'm getting sleepy now Thanks so much. Chat to you soon. Bye.